NWA, it would we would get stuff from you'd get stuff from the Horseman ranging to Sting in his like face paint and blonde hair. So it was like stuff from the eighties blended in with the nineties. There was never really like a set thing. It was just okay. You've got an hour of NWA classics as it was known, but then it was more for the time period of wrestling challenge, like so Big Boss Man, Ultimate Warrior, um, you know, uh, all, all, just when. WWF exploded on the scene and became like a real big thing. Wrestling Challenge and Wrestling Superstars, that was what I grew up on, you know? So Awesome, man. Awesome. Matt, you got questions? Uh, yeah. So, during that era, um, I well, just looking at your bio, looking at more of the uh, doing my research leading into this, uh, we're about the, we're the same age. Who was your Who's your favorite uh, wrestler like during that era? Like when you first started watching, like who was the guy that you're like, oh, that's the guy. Ultimate I... warrior all day long. <laughs> you know, just, you know, get, getting to see this guy that had like huge hair, huge, like 1980s, like rock band hair, stupid face paint, absolutely huge tassels, bright colors. You know, as a kid, I was just completely enamored by him, you know, yeah. so. Now, who wasn't around that time, right? Yeah, and again, <laughs> um, so I was at the first wrestling show that was at Wembley Stadium. I was at <laughs> SummerSlam 92. And I remember breaking my heart because Ultimate Warrior won, but he won by DQ, so he didn't win the title off Macho Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, on March 22, on March in 2004, you versus Jamoa, Samoa Joe and the British promotion IPW. Can you talk yep. about that match and uh, how'd that go? And so that was my break. That was my breakout match when everybody in England found out who Martin Stone was. Um, I started training in two, 2003 and then I made my debut in 2004 in January of 2004. And then I got the call. I, I got a call from that local promotion. I said, Hey, do you want to work Samoa Joe? And at the time I was like, Oh, uh, and I was like, Yeah, sure, of course. And, you know, I was very fortunate enough for that match to go exceptionally well. And that was the match that put me on the map. And then, yeah, it was kind of, all right, well, all guns blazing after that. You know, I was very, very fortunate. Uh, Joe was an absolute superstar that day, you know, so. Now, do you guys still communicate through today up to now? Or? Uh, I speak to Joe every now and then. It's it's not as though like we're best friends and we go out for drinks every week or anything like that. But right. I'll, I'll I'll text Joe every now and then, you know. And it was just great because, I, I you know I got I got to see Joe back when we were both in NXT. I got to talk to Joe quite a bit when he was on the main roster when I was in. You know when I got re-signed during the the boom period of. NXT and stuff. So you know, like he's a he's a he's a great guy. He's absolutely fantastic. So and, uh, yeah, Matt. So <clears throat> jumping a little bit forward, uh, you're stopping TNA. Um, do you have any uh, fun stories or cool stories about your your time uh, during that whole uh, TNA British boot camp? Was there is there anything funny? Uh, I mean, that was. I'd just been released and I was home in England. So it was just one of those things of, oh, we need names. They'd already pre-picked who, who was winning and stuff like that, which it's a, it's a work show. 
it was a great experience. I had a, I had a lot of fun, but it didn't really amount to anything. So awesome, man! Awesome. Um, now there's guys like I mean, I didn't realize how many guys were from or talent for from over in Lo in London and England. Um, like Pac and Paige. Rockstar Spud, Magnus, um, and Seamus and Way Barrett. Are are you how do you how do you look at their careers going, what they're doing now? And are you surprised at the, where they're at now? And is that the goal that you're trying <laughs> no, to have? not one bit. Like you've literally just listed off a who's who of British wrestlers that made it mainstream. Okay. So I'm not surprised at all. Awesome. Is there one individual of those um that are excelling more than you thought they were or no? Not one bit, no. And that's your goal, right? To get to the main, one of those main rosters um, and, and your comeback? Uh, ask me that later on. All right, I will. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, out of all the guys that are currently out there uh, that you haven't gotten a chance to work with yet, who's the one guy that you're like, man, that's the guy I would love to have a program with? Do a Will Ospreay. Okay. Yeah, I was... So when, you know, especially once I moved, moved to the States and I started to make a name, name for myself and I was going back and forth to England, Will was just coming up and, you know, Will started off as a complete, you know, he was a high-flying spot monkey. His matches didn't make sense, but he did some absolutely amazing, incredible stuff. But now Will has turned into the most polished performer ever. I would love to tear it up with Will. Awesome, man. Um the name Danny Birch. Did you like the ring name Danny Birch? And also, how did that come about? Uh, that was that was a name that was given to me in FCW. We had to pick, we had to make, make up names, like write down 10 different names. So I first reported for duty in FCW in 2012, June 3rd. And it was just, okay, write some names down. And it wasn't a name I wrote down, but they came up with it. And yeah, <laughs> I that it. was my name. And I was like, <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, that wasn't on the list, but what else? wasn't on the list, but yeah, <laughs> there's not really a lot you can do about it, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt. So uh one of my favorite matches of yours is actually playing in the background there. Um, your war games match. Absolutely loved it. Um, it was one of those matches that I actually had to go back and rewatch again. I watched it several times. Um your group, excuse me, your group that you uh, were with, uh, with Pete Dune, uh, with uh, Dunn. Pete Dunn, I'm sorry, Pete Dunn. Uh, Tony Lorcan. Tony Lorcan. Tony Lorcan. Wow. Pat yeah, Pat McAfee. I'm, I'm zoning. I've been up since 2 o'clock this morning. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> what was it like working with those guys in that in that atmosphere during that program? What was it like running with those guys? You were obviously already tagging with with Oni at the time. Like yep. what what was it like with uh, Pete and uh, Pat McAfee? Oni, me and for whatever reason, me and Oni clicked. You know, we were two guys that literally just got thrown together, and. NXT at the time was like, well, let's see where this goes. So we were two complete no-name people that were just thrown together and then we somehow created magic. And we did. Like our whole feud with Undisputed Era when we first came in at NXT take, take over Chicago, we had that match and we solidified ourselves as a top babyface team 
Um, there was no flash. There was no razzmatazz. It was just, all right, we're just going to go out there and beat the crap out of people. But for whatever reason, it worked and the crowd loved us. Um, but to then get the chance to turn heel, um, work with Pete, not what else can be said about Pete? Pete, Pete Dunn is one of the greatest British wrestlers ever. And I say that very, very loosely, especially because the fact that he's like not even 30 yet, like he's, you know, Pete's a phenom. Um, but then when you bring Pat as, as the dynamic, who is obviously exceptionally charismatic, has no loss for words on the microphone, um, to get that opportunity and for all of us to get together and, you know, we were talking each week and we just, it just gelled. It just worked for whatever reason. It just worked. You know, you bring, you bring four people that are the most vastly different people from around the world and it worked. It just worked, you know, and I think that the booking was wrong in that match. I think that we, we should have won because the feud carried on after war games so I think that we should have won that match to then ca carry on the feud and keep it going. But, hey, I was in a War Games match. Never in a million years when I first started <laughs> wrestling would I have said, I'm going to be in a war, war, war Games match, main event in the TakeOver. Never would have said that in a million years. But that was a hell of a match. You guys yeah, it was. That was a lot of fun. It was, so, it was so much fun. So I'm going to ask a question about that. I'm looking at that ring behind Matt on the TV and – that metal cage, I'm sure you got tossed against the metal cage. Uh, how does that feel? Um, it's people, unforgiving. I, I mean, fans, I, you talk about it's a lot of fans. unforgiving. Like, just, it's a solid cage. I, you hear fans all over the place how this, or people all over the face say wrestling's fake. But I'm like, if I hit that cage, I'm sure as shit going to feel it. <laughs> oh, it's wrestling was fake. I've had three... <laughs> Three knee surgeries and four shoulder surgeries. I wish wrestling was fake. Well, thank you. <laughs> so that's, I guess yeah. that's a that's a roundabout answer to a question I was going to ask you. Is people what do you have to say to people that say wrestling's fake? So you just said it. So, so a knee jerk reaction is obviously you want to grab grab hold of them and slap them across the face and be like, "Do you realize what we have to sacrifice right. to be a professional wrestler?" And that's not just what's in ring. Um, so what I liken professional wrestling to is I would say, okay, do you think figure skating in the Olympics is fake? Okay. Two people that get on the that get on the ice and they paint their picture on that on the canvas that happens to be an ice rink. It's just the same as a, as a professional wrestler. They take risks because obviously you know the guys pick the girls up and you know what yeah. happens if he slips? What happens if he drops her? Yeah. It's the exact same thing as a professional wrestler we are stuntmen we are part actor part athlete part bodybuilder you know like yes okay rest the uh the veil got put got uh got moved out of the way and everybody came to know that wrestling was a work so predetermined yes fake absolutely not that's a good answer. absolutely good. not that's a good definition. I appreciate that. Thanks, man. So, um, I had I had asked you who you would like to work with since you've, uh, out of the people you you haven't worked with yet, who is the one guy that you enjoy working with with the most, and the guy that you would love to have another program with? Uh. 
some of the most amount of fun I had on the Indies was with Matt Riddle. Mm. We oh. had some really, really good matches. They were chaos. They were creative. They were wild. Like so, if I was on TV, like I think it, it'd be a lot of fun to have a program with uh, with Matt. Oh. So, in your tag NXT tag title run, um, you worked with Breezango. How was that? Oh, it's fantastic. You know, Breeze and Dango are just the absolute most professional people I've been in the ring with. Um, it was a lot of fun, you know, especially when we're in the back, like, you know, and just, all right, well, let's just go out there and see what happens. We'd have, like, the finish and we'd ah, let's just get there, you know. But just, again, they are absolute pros, and it was so easy to just get in the ring and work with them, you know. So, and again, they put us on the map. You know, if it hadn't been for the match with Breezango, we, we wouldn't have won the title. So, you know, I'm forever indebted to those guys. Uh, what about uh, Tommaso Ciampa? Is he a, like, how's he like to work? Uh, what's he like to work with? Oh, he's fantastic. Um, funny enough, in 2016, I had my breakout match in the US against Ciampa uh, for a company in Atlanta called um, AWE, Atlanta Wrestling entertainment and again that was the match that I, I did that and then the u.s in indie scene took notice so yeah he's he's fantastic he really is wrestling in england and wrestling in the states in front of several sizes of crowds etc then in the pandemic when there was tv screens around the um, arena instead of fans mm -hmm. what was it like and um was the was the transition different working in front of 300,000, 100,000, 50,000 to working in front of essentially nobody. Nobody, yeah. Yes, yeah. How um, was that? So at first it was, I mean, it was a very weird position to be in because obviously wrestling is a live event um, entity. Like it, You have to have fans. You have to be able to hear the fan reaction and stuff like that. But for me it was almost a it was almost a challenge because it's like well okay you know when you got fans and you got noise and stuff like that you can kind of like look at the guy and be like all right we're gonna do this 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 and this you don't really have to be quiet about it because you know you might be lucky that the, the cameras will pan out and they'll shoot the crowd and stuff like that but when it was in that setting it was like the the, the cameras were constantly on you so for me it was it it made it made me a better wrestler because I was able to call stuff without being seen. Um, one of my favorite matches during that whole time period was against Kushida, which Ooh, sucked. Yeah. Nobody was there. Like it, it, it like, killed me. I was like, wow, this is the one match I've wanted for a long time, especially since he came to NXT and just obviously how good he is and, you know, the history he has in New Japan. And I just, I was so excited about it, but it was also like, <sighs> With no crowd, wow! This is gonna, <laughs> this is gonna be, this is gonna suck. Um, but getting to go out there and have the match that we did and be be able to talk to him without the cameras picking it up was it was yeah it was it was great. Again, I'm just a wrestler. I'm I'm just a journeyman wrestler. So at that at that time period, yes, there was no crowd. Yes, COVID was a thing. So it was well. This is what I get paid to do. I get paid to go out there and put smiles on people's faces. So yeah. I was gonna do I was gonna do my job to the best of my ability. Yeah. 
That's awesome, man. Thank and you. Just, and the, com the company was so, was so careful with all the protocols and stuff like that. And just because I know that there's, there was a few things that came out at the time, like, they don't care about their performers. That wasn't the case at all. Like, they literally took, they took care of us. Like, I was able to take care of my family during a time period when thousands and millions of people were getting laid off and stuff like that. So just, you know, I was very, very fortunate. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Out of all the places that you've been able, been blessed to perform for these, for, um, where's your favorite place or the, the most memorable place you've uh, been able to perform? <sighs> Obviously you have a uh, take, take over in Chicago. That was the match that, that made me. And it made it made me an, a household name with the NXT fans. Um, I still won't watch the match back because I know I'm going to rip my performance apart. But the feeling on that night of going out there as the baby faces and getting booed out the building, and then literally being able to turn them before we got to the hot tag, um, to the point when it was the whole, wow, all right. We've got uh, we've got two Rocky Balboas right now that are, are trying to win the title against Apollo, and just, so to be able to turn that crowd. I mean, cause if you if you if you go back and watch and watch that match back, like, we had no chance. The minute we walked out, like UE came out first, <laughs> and I was like, oh wow, okay, this is going to be interesting, and just we got booed <laughs> out the building. But then to be able to turn them to the point by the end of it, they genuinely wanted us to win was a very very special feeling and that's that's a night i will never ever forget i won't watch it back because that is ingrained in my head so i don't want to watch it back because then i'll be like ah oh, well i should have done this and we should have done that and oh i didn't do that right so i won't touch it and i won't it was the same with war games i haven't watched that match back um but in terms of on the indies it was always a pleasure to work at ref pro at york hall um you know 20 minutes down the road from where my mum lived. Um, it was, you know, it was a very small, intimate setting, but uh, AWE in Atlanta, it was, you know, it was my home promotion for a long time. And, you know, just... So, yeah, I would say Atlanta, um, Chicago, London, those those are probably the places that uh, stick out the most. Okay. I was watching a clip from last night. They did a train, they did a taping of um, WWE, and I. This is what brought the question up: How important is the communication between the back people in the back, you wrestling in the ring, and the referees that all play a part of this whole thing to unfold? How important is that communication? Is there and is it always going on? That us fans don't see it, but last time we yeah. seen it when somebody got hurt, they threw up the X. Yeah, how yep. would, so I mean, everyone, you know, a lot of pe people don't realize in a wrestling match there's three people. If you have a like an except an exceptionally good referee, your night is going to be so much easier. Okay. If you have a terrible referee, it's going to be the worst match ever. Nobody gives referees the amount of credit that they need because I can do what they do. They have a headpiece on 
and you've literally got producers and agents scream, tell them to do this, tell them to do that, tell them they've got two minutes left. If you've got a bad ref that can't communicate that, like the match is going to go over and on TV, that's a huge no no because obviously you're then taking time away from the main event. Or, you know, what's exceptionally important on TV here in the States is the crossover hour. You have to hit a time at the crossover. If you don't hit that, it screws everything up. So if you've got a ref that has no idea how to communicate and can't work with you, ooh, match is going to tank. So yeah. I, I literally can't say, well, the match is about the wrestlers and the ref's just there as a, as a, you know, as a tool. Not one bit. Not one bit. That That is a three-way dance. And just if you like, you know, and I've worked with some of the best refs in this job. And, you know, it ranges from really good to good to exceptional to good to god awful. And again, it's the same on the Indies, you know, you, you know, you've got a lot of places now that use headsets just just to say, hey, tell them they've got three minutes left and stuff like that. And I've worked with refs that are getting called the times and I'm asking how much time, how much time, how much time. And they're like looking at me like, uh, and it completely kills the match. So just I I've got so much respect for an exceptional ref because the job they have, especially on TV the jobs those guys have is it's so difficult and to have a ref that can keep their cool listen to the time cues they come around and they you know they tell you and everything like that but you don't see them like hey you got five minutes left when you don't see them yeah magic like if you if you get an exceptional ref, your match is going to be magic. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so going forward, where do you, where would you ideally love to end up? Uh, like the next promotion, next big promotion, where would you like to end up? New Japan. There any, for me, uh, I think it, yeah. I mean, I was blessed to work for, WWE on two occasions. The first time wasn't that great. The second time was. Um, I got let go for whatever reason. Um, but then I was still injured at the time. So I was out, out, out of the ring for two years. I was out from March 2021. Um, and I didn't, I didn't come back to wrestling until December of 2023. So I was gone for a long time gone for a very very long time i wasn't happy with the fact that i got released while while i couldn't i couldn't work i thought that was a, a pretty shitty move um but it is what it is I, I was there for four years during the time period when nxt was was a third brand now it's not and i can happily say that nxt 2.0 or, or whatever you want to call it it's it does not hold a candle to the time period i was there Great. Um, I agree. And I was very, very fortunate enough to win a title in the largest rest wrestling company in the world. And if you would have told 23-year-old me when I made my debut that, hey, you're going to work for the largest wrestling company in the world and you're going to become tag, tag team champion there, I'd have laughed at you. You know, I ne never got into wrestling to be... Uh, you know, I, I want to be the main event or I want to do this. I, I just love professional wrestling. I just wanted to work. I never got into it to, you know, 
oh, well, I want to make a million dollars and I want to do this. And then, then I want to go on to movies. I never got into it for that, you know? And I, again, with everything I've done and the year that I had in 2022, um, I was at that point when I was like, you know what? I'm going to call it quits. I've, you know, I've, I, I had a great run. I'm injured now. Maybe this, this might, my shoulder might get fixed. I don't know. I wasn't sure. Um, I was going to call it quits. The minute I got cleared, I sat there and I was like, nah, I'm not done yet. So <laughs> here I am. So, but for me right now, um, I never had the chance to go to Japan. I worked a lot of Japanese wrestlers. I was in the ring with a great mooter um, at one point in time in England. So I'm like, okay, let's, I don't know how I'm going to do it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, I think is going to be my, my destination. So. Awesome, man. Now you got released the same time, same day as William Regal, correct? Yes. Yeah. I thought I, I've seen, I, I thought I read an article about that and um, so on and so forth. So, um, Yeah. Yeah, it was me, uh, Ace Steel, Hideki Suzuki, Tim- Timothy Thatcher, Samoa Joe, William Regal. Um, this is just my take. This doesn't mean it's right, doesn't mean it's wrong, but we we were the last of the guys that were employed by a Triple H. And this is when tri- Triple H had to take a sabbatical uh, because of his heart condition. So you can... You can look into that as much as you want or however you want, but yeah. <laughs> I think as fan, I think as fans, we all can agree that there's a difference between Triple H and Vince McMahon shows. So, and it's and it shows um, no, because Vince is still there, and at the end of the day, Vince okay. created this this monstrosity, massive juggernaut. Yeah. If it wasn't for Vince, there would like, especially from when it first came into fruition. If it wasn't for a genuine visionary like Vince McMahon, there would be no WWE. They genuinely wouldn't. Um, I'm not going to say it was Vince's idea. There was maybe one other person. (laughs) So you can all look into that as much as you want. Again, that's just my opinion. I could be completely wrong. (laughs) Just my opinion. This isn't like set in stone or, oh, this is what? Just my opinion. Yeah. But there was, there was, there was a lot of re- there was a lot of interesting reasons as to why we all got released on that day. Let's just say that. So, so uh, if I remember right, and I might be, hang on. Um, there we go. You can see me now. It, I might be a little bit off. Uh, you guys end up calling out uh, the Imperium uh, after after a uh... yes, yep. Whose idea? I mean, I'm like, who threw together the idea of mocking them using their their pose? Like, like who threw that out there? Like, because I remember, I if one I of remember... the writers. I can't remember who it was. One of the writers, but then it went nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that's what it I went was nowhere. So it, you know. <laughs> Because to me, you guys, you and Oni would have put on an absolute, just a slugfest against those two guys. Yeah. I, I, I would pay never big money yet. to watch that. Yeah. Again, we had worked those guys so many times on on non-televised matches. I think we had one televised match against them. 
which we went over. And that was before they became, you know, as good as they are now. Because, again, Marcel, Fabian, they are absolutely phenomenal. They are such a pair of incredible talent. And we worked them so many times on, like, the live events in Florida, on the uh, the loops when we would go out of state. Like, we worked them so many times, and the matches were always so good. So, for and, you know, we did that whole promo in the bar when we were like, we're going to chase Imperium for the titles, but it never went anywhere. So it was, it was stupid, really. And it annoyed me because it's like, it was a feud we could have got our teeth stuck into. The matches would have been good. It would have been another like, okay, well, Oni and Danny have proved themselves yet again, but we never got the chance to do it. So I'm a big indie wrestling fan. Um, I didn't realize the difference between the, big show on TV and the indie wrestling shows. Um, the ones I've experienced are way more crazy and guys go through all kinds of hell um, on those shows. It seems like, but what is your opinion on the, the state of the independent scene today? I mean, COVID kind of ruined everything. And just I had a lot of friends on the independent scene that, you know, they made their living through wrestling. So then the guys were struggling, which was never good to see. Um, but, I mean, you've got GCW, which run, God, multiple shows per month. Like, they pretty much run every single weekend. Right. Like, they're booked up solid. Um I've got the pleasure of working for a company down in Florida called CCW and they run like nine to 10 shows a month. Um, the UK scene looks like it's still a little, it looks like it's struggling a little bit because there's no more, you know, it, it, it's hard. Like just the scene was bursting, was absolutely bursting when I was trying to remake my name for myself and come back up, especially being in the States, like trying to make my name and okay, well, I'm basically starting from scratch. I've moved to a new country. Um, you know, so like the scene was absolutely booming everywhere. It just seems to be, it seems to have like the, the can't, the, the candles like burning down a little bit, but it, it's going to boom again. And it will boom again. It's just when it booms again. Um, but I mean, if, if you know, but again, I can say that, but then you go watch GCW and it completely contradicts what. Oh. The phone call. Um, there's so many people there in the crowd, like the, the, the crowds are rammed and like just the venues are packed. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's like I'm. I'm contradicting myself, but just as as a whole, when you had the boom period, every single place was doing really well. Like it was packed everywhere. Whereas now it's like there's key places that are packed. You know, you got West, West was it? You got West West Coast Pro, which is do, which seems to be doing well. You got Defy Wrestling in Seattle, which seems to be doing really well. Um, you got New New Japan USA, which is obviously booming. Um, AEW, Ring of Honor, you know, the, the, there's so many places doing really, really well. But when I was around during the boom period, even the smaller shows where you might only get one or two names, the venues would still be packed. Whereas now that's gone back to how it was, you know, you might get 200 people in there, maybe 100. So 
the boom period will happen again, but just COVID ruined everything, you know. So it's 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 going to take a while for it to to build back up. New stars have to be made, you know, because when you think about it, like at, at the time I was in NXT, like it was a who's who of the independent level was signed and was on TV every week. Right. So, yeah, Matt. Um, who? Okay, so we're we're obviously all fans of the business, um, mm-hmm. or we wouldn't be talking about it. Yep. Um, if what shows do you watch? Like what? Like what promotions do you pay more attention to than the others? Or what is your favorite show to watch right now? Um, I'll watch anything that's done by New Japan. Um, but my favorite show to watch right now is AEW Collision. It oh, is dang. two hours yeah. of. And I'll say this word, I'll say it loosely because there's no such thing, but it's two hours of perfection. You have literally some of the most solid performers that have ever stepped inside a ring. Um, You know, I literally just watched maybe two hours ago, I watched the tag match between FTR and Bullet Club Gold. What an amazing tag match that was. What an amazing tag match. Literally an hour of keeping the crowd captivated no, you could tell there was not one person in that crowd that wasn't invested. No one was bored, you know, because sometimes you watch, you watch like main shows, and you know you're lucky if you get the front row to pick their nose because they're sitting there texting, you know. Just but just co- co- collision for me so far has been the most polished two hours of t- of television wrestling from the first episode until now. It's but so that I am literally watching every single week. Good show. So, um, yeah. all right. I've, like I said, bratted a bunch on you. And um, I think you called the period that you're in now the redemption time of your career. Yes. Um, I know. I mean, what, can you talk about the um, redempt, what that means to you? I know that there was a state that you, when you broke your collarbone and the recovery sucked and all this stuff. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Of course. Yeah. So, um, I, I first got injured in March of 2021 uh, in the match against Karrion uh, Cross and Finn Balor. I separated my shoulder and went to the doctors the next day. Um, I was more annoyed at the fact I couldn't finish the match. Every time I tried to get back in the ring, my shoulder kept pop, uh, kept like pop, popping back out. So I, I just couldn't finish the match. And that's throughout my whole career. That's the one thing that annoys me the most. You know, I just wanted to get back. We were literally a minute away from 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 going home. So I was very, very frustrated with that. Um, but yeah, so I went to the doctors the next day. Oh, well, the surgeon got my shoulder. You know, I got the MRI and stuff like that. And uh, you have between a grade one and a grade six of a shoulder of a ACL separation. A grade one is, okay, you'll be back in... A month's time, you just rehab, and then you got the grade six, which is the worst thing you could do. And of course, I had a grade six, so I required surgery. I was very, very lucky because uh, when the bone went through and it separated, I didn't, I didn't catch my um, rotator cuff or my labrum. I was very, very lucky. So it was, as much as it was a very evasive surgery, it was a very straightforward surgery. Uh, fast forward six months, um, I come back. And I have the last main event on the black and gold brand against MSK. Uh, 
had a great match. I got paid a very lovely compliment from Shawn Michaels when I came back of, Danny, you've not missed the beat. Wow. Like, thank you. And I was like, really taken aback by that. And then we uh, were at the PC. And at the time, obviously, we're not running live events um, in Florida still due to, you know, COVID pro protocols and stuff like that. And the, again, the company took their time to get back out there in front of a live crowd, which I don't blame them at all. You know, it, it took a while. It did take a while. Um, and then so I'm on a PC live show. Uh, he's going to run name nameless, but very careless and just very, very green. He broke my collarbone on the same shoulder that I just had that surgery performed on. At the time, I was told, oh, it's going to take eight weeks. It's just a broken collarbone, no problem. So they put a metal plate in it, and it will, you know, everything's going to heal, and it's going to be good. Three weeks later, he got infected. So then they had to go back in again, take the plate out, clean it all out, because if not, I would have had, you know, the infection would have started to eat away at my shoulder bone. So they cleaned it out. Um, then there was issues with the original surgery might have been compromised. So they weren't sure if they had to go back in and repair that again because my shoulder was raising up on the x-ray. So it was a waiting process. I just had to sit and wait. I went back in for another x-ray maybe six weeks later, and they were like, nope, you're good. We just need to let this heal. But then my collarbone was just not healing properly. And then, so that was March 2021. So I was out all of 2021. Um, I was originally then supposed to get cleared in 2022 of April, but obviously we got to January and I got released. Uh, went back to the surgeon April of 2022 and it still wasn't healing properly. So then I had to go in for the final procedure in uh, June of 2022 where they had to take a piece of my hip bone out and bone graft my shoulder. And they were hoping that this was going to work. So at this point in time, in my head, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> like, well, I guess I'm done. Like, we're going to hope this works. But Someone was looking out for me because obviously December 2022, I had the chance to get cleared. Um, so very, very thankful for that. But um, it was a very, very tough time period, you know, because for the first time in my life, I was told that you can't do what you love. And then also as well, at that point, I was told I was too old. So I was going to have, you know, I was made a coach. I was definitely a coach on the sidelines while I was injured. Um produce some matches, which was a great experience, but always in the back back of my mind, I was like, am I done? Am I too old? Because, you know, you got you got guys on the main roster that are like close, close, way closer to 50 than I am that are still performing at a very high level. So it kind of pissed me off. That it was just like, well, you're too old. That's it. So we're going to, uh, you know, you're no longer on TV. We've written you off TV without actually being written off TV. <laughs> so I was like, well, Okay, I guess. But, um, yeah, it was a real, real tough, very, very tough time period. Yeah, that must have got into your head a lot because I know. Oh, yeah, just yeah. completely like, am I too old? Am I going to get cleared? Can I still do this? Am I going to be able to compete at the same? If You know, if I do carry, if I do decide to carry on doing this, can I compete at the same level I did before? Yeah, so just it was there was a lot of things there was a lot of stuff going on so where's, where's your mindset at, the, at now for going forward where's oh i am now i mean you know i've been wrestling since january it wasn't until march was i had i had a match in march and just everything clicked again and i was like right i'm back to normal now like i, I you know again 
touch wood, knock on wood right now. Um, <laughs> I have no problems with this when I'm in the ring. I'm not aware of it anymore. I never think, oh, God, my shoulder, my shoulder. Because, again, with the first few matches, I was so protective of it. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, well, maybe I can't take this. Or, hey, I can't catch dives because of my show. Now I don't even think about it. Just I'm like, yeah, throw me. Do this, do that. You know, I've got a street fight scheduled next month. So, you know, that that's going to be wild. It's going to be a wild-ass brawl. So just now I'm just I'm off to the races. So for me now, it's just getting my name back out there, which is going to be very difficult because I've been Danny Birch for the last four years. So now I've got to get Martin Stone back out there again. Um, but it's a challenge I'm, I'm ready and able to accept. So just now it's off to the races and, you know, fall in love with the business all over again. So because, you know, again, during that time period when I was out, like it was very, very hard to watch wrestling, especially after I got let go. You know, it was so hard to watch wrestling because I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't do what I couldn't do what I've been doing for at that time, like 19 years. I, I hit my 20 year anniversary t two months ago. So, you know, the one thing that I've that's been a constant in my life. I couldn't do and it killed me it absolutely killed me so thank you for that answer matt um go back to when like they had you as the coach and and somewhat uh an agent during that time um was there any guys that you coached and put together matches for that are on their way up still that we should watch for um, not really. <laughs> okay. To be completely honest, not really. Like the 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 company will push whoever they deem suitable, whoever okay. that they want to be put forward, and that's how it works. You can be literally, you could be the next Bret Hart, or you could be as good as Bret Hart or Dynamite Kid, or anybody like that. But if you're not what they're looking for, they're going to go, oh, yeah, you, you are so good. You're great. You know, you, you can do this, you can do that, you can do everything, but we want him. And that's the nature of, that's, that's the nature of working for big corporate companies. Mate, you are fantastic, but we want him. Well, yeah, but I'm better than him. Well, doesn't really matter, but we want him. So there wasn't, again, the only person I ever called when I said he's, he's going to be really big was um, when I was first in developmental. And uh, you had Sean Ricker there, a.k.a. L.A. Knight. That was the only person that said, okay, he's going to make it big time. But then he got released. But then he's come back, and now he's and now he's he's getting his props. Um, but in terms of the guys that were in developmental, there wasn't any. There was, and that's not me being snarky or being an arsehole or anything like that. But there was never anyone that jumped out to me, or I was like, okay, he's gonna make it. Yeah. So. Um. Okay. So in the fan realm of uh wrestling there's all kinds of different shows to watch and all these all, every fan wants to be have they have their opinions on the shows and on the product and on who's who and everything else and they they want to be dave Meltzer, blah 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 blah, blah. 
what are your hot thoughts about fans bantering back and forth on what product is better and what is not? At the end of the day, who cares? If you're a wrestling fan, you have so you have so much content to watch. Like, who cares? You know, when when I was growing up, I was watching WWF or E. I was watching WCW. Like, who cares? If you're a wrestling fan, just go and enjoy wrestling. Like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about anything, you know. So, for me, like, when you see the guys are like, well, you know, just, it just seems to me that the in internet wrestling community are just re ready to see, to just go, oh, they failed and I called it. And I'm just like, shut up. Just watch wrestling and enjoy it. Like, who cares? Like, there needs to be two companies. There needs to be competition because it makes wrestling better. So, it's like, why would you, you know, when you can watch so much wrestling, why would you pigeonhole yourself? Well, I'm just going to watch this one brand and it's better because these guys do this. And then you get someone that says, well, I prefer, you know, WWE's better because they've got Roman and this and that. Like, who cares? Just just go and be a wrestling fan. Just go and watch wrestling and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. It drives yeah. me nuts when yeah. it's like us, like the whole us versus them pack mentality. Like, who cares? You know, I I literally watch a bit of everything. I will watch stuff from the Indies. I'll watch Collision. I'll watch Raw and SmackDown. For, well, I don't really watch Raw and SmackDown, but like I'll watch the pay-per-views. Like, just be a fan. Like, like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. <clears throat> no, talked about. He brought up Dave Meltzer. Uh, is do guys really in the back care about? his star rating like are there people that actually care about that in the actual business or is that more i can only go from my fans? experience i can only go from my experience i have never and i've been in a lot of i've been in a lot of locker rooms over the years i've never heard one wrestler say to me we've got to go out there and have a five-star match so that dave Meltzer likes it i've never heard that am i sure there's some guys that think like that more than likely I've never been around anybody that's ever said we have to go out there and have a five-star match because Dave Meltzer needs to like it and put us over. I've never heard that. So that's my experience. So at the end of the day, the only people that matter, the promoter who books you, because at the end of the day, you want to get booked again, and the fans. For me, that's all that matters. As long as the promoter's happy because he's paying me at the end of the day, and as long as the fans react to how I want them to react and they can go home and realize they had a good show. And for instance, let's say the dad that has four kids and his wife, he comes in. So he buys five tickets, goes to the concession stands, spends a fortune at the concession stands on drinks, popcorn, hot dog, takes the kids around the merch tables or whatever, or even in the stands on the merch tables, spends between 20 to 40 bucks on a t-shirt for each kid. As long as he goes, goes home happy and has had a good time, my job is done because that means he's going to tell his friends and tell his friends and they'll tell their friends and then more people come back. Those are the pe people that matter. For me personally, it's not about, well, I need one or two people in, in the internet world to say that I'm good. It's not about that. It's a live event. It is a live event production. It's not an internet production. Right. So, Thank you for that. And again, that's just my opinion. 
Doesn't mean I'm right. Doesn't mean I'm wrong. Wrestling is subjective. So that was kind of like my next question. But so the one thing you didn't touch on is how important are seminars to wrestlers like you? Um, and should fans go to those seminars or is it just wrestler based? Um, it should just be wrestler based because obviously it's it's going to, you know, I do a lot of wrestling seminars. So it's going to go over the fans' heads because they're not wrestling. They're going to be like, wait, what? It'd be like going to a uh, rehearsal for a magician. It's going to go over your head if you don't know what you're looking at. Um, but I do think seminars are very important because at the end of the day, wrestling is subjective. So the way I do wrestling doesn't mean it's right, doesn't mean it's wrong. The way that a luchador does wrestling doesn't mean it's right, doesn't mean it's wrong. Um, you know, to go back to the days of Bruce Lee when he took a bit of boxing, a bit of uh, Chinese Kung Fu, and then he took the footwork and fencing, and then he took, you know, he, he then started to incorporate grappling. Like, you're to be the most complete performer and the best performer, you need to throw it all in a blender, mix it all up, and you start throwing it at the wall, and you see what sticks. So, you know, I'm a huge believer in just going and being a sponge and learning from as many different styles and different ways of how people how people do wrestling and teach wrestling like you you need like a broad spectrum so that you can become the most complete performer you can yeah matt you can go ahead i'm trying to i'm scrolling through my notes right now <laughs> all right um so i have like three more questions to ask you mm, you've been away. in the business 20 years what is the one thing you can take away from the experience of the business that you'll go yep that's what i took away Good or bad? <laughs> uh, give Good. me both. Shoot, give me shoot okay. one. Shoot, shoot um, from the hip. Okay, so I'll start with the bad. Um, some of the most soul-crushing lows I've experienced in life has been through wrestling. Just when you think like you're so close to getting there, and then nothing, and you're just like, "What am I doing wrong? What what have I got to do to get to the next level? What have I got to do to?" you know, break out, just, you know, there was a period in time when I was having the most solid matches and just, I was working everywhere, but then just nothing was happening. I was spinning my wheels and I'm like, I must be doing something wrong. And then the amount of like more experienced people, they were like, no, it just takes time. And I'm like, what do you mean it takes time? It's like, it just takes time because you could literally be, you could be on a show in front of 10 people, but then there's a, there's a scout in the crowd for a certain company and they're like, Oh, this guy. But then you don't realize that. And you're just like, wow, I'm working in front of 10 people. Like, oh, I think it's time to hang the boots up. Like, Oh God, I can't do this anymore. And just, and then all out the blue, you get an email and it's like, Hey, we saw you do this. We want you to come to PWG or whatever. And then your indie career takes off. Like just, it's, those are some of the most frustrating times. Um, the highs I've had at the end of the day, I'm a kid from London. They've got the opportunity to move to America and I've traveled the world for free and had an absolute blast. Awesome, man. Thank you. Matt. Um, So you're obviously not done with your career. You have a while left and I, I feel you have a long road left ahead of you. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. What's the one thing? Not necessarily a championship, but what's the one thing you want to accomplish before you before your career ends? Like, what's the one thing that you want? 
there's nothing really. I'm a, at the end of the day, I'm just a pro wrestler, you know, for me to be able to carry on wrestling and get booked by places and stuff like that. Like that's, that's what makes me happy. Cause it's like people still are like, ah, we still value your skills. We still value what you bring to the table. So I can't say that there's, oh, you know, I want to be IWGP heavyweight champion by the time I'm 52. There's, there's nothing like that. You know, I, 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 I accomplished way more than I ever thought I ever would when I first stepped foot inside a wrestling school, you know, like just at that point in time, I just wanted to wrestle. Then it became small goals of like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm the first match. I'm doing well, but you know, I want to, I want to move, move myself up the card, you know, and just, then it got to a point where I was like, Hey, I want a main event. Like all those little boxes are ticked off. Then it was, you know, I went for my first tryout and, WWE were interested and then I got asked to come back and then I got signed on the, you know, and then my second tryout, I got signed. Then, you know, I reported for duty and then it didn't work out and I got let go. Then I started watching the, you know, NXT become what it was. And then I was like, man, I, you know, I just want to go back there and get given a fair shot and a fair opportunity. And then I had the chance to do that again. And then, you know, I ended up becoming tag team champion. So just, it all, it was just like small little goals, but like right now, just uh, I never thought I would achieve at, like anything like that. So now just I've been blessed. I've been fortunate. So now I'm just like, I want to work as much as possible. Um, like, again, my goal now is, 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 is to get to Japan. You know, if I get the chance to work for Impact and AEW and stuff like that and Ring of Honor, then, oh, please, absolutely. I would absolutely love that. But I've never been to Japan so for me to be able to go to japan would would be that's probably the, the the real big thing left for me just to say i actually wrestled in japan and performed in japan so so in your opinion do you feel wrestling is organic or does it need to be more organic in your opinion wrestling needs to be more organic and again this is my opinion i just feel that there's a massive ceiling in television wrestling companies that prevent people from being organic and getting over. Um, and again, I'm going to say this, and this might ruffle a few feathers. I'm sure you'll prob I'm sure I'll get some uh, DMs off of this. I do <laughs> think uh, only in myself were never designed to get over, but because of take takeover, because of take takeover Chicago, we got over, and they did not know what to do with us. Because I remember finishing that match and the reaction we got, and I came to the back. I'm not going to say who said it. Um, well, the War Raiders are the next babyface tag teams, so like, don't get comfortable. <laughs> so we weren't designed to get over, and we did. And I think that that was it, it was a plus, and it was a and it was a huge de detriment to us. So I feel that wrestling companies should just you know. If someone gets over, run with it. That's how it used to be, you know. I think in today's climate, you wouldn't have a Rock or an Austin. I think they're doing that with a couple yeah. stars in the WWE that's, right now. And again, that's just my opinion. No, but I, I think, think that in today's climate, like, because people, okay, we want this guy, we want this guy, we want this guy. The guys that got over organically and became some of the biggest stars in our industry 
wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So, um, you and Oni, uh, when if you put that if you guys got back together and ran today, um, who are like who would you want to have a have a series of matches with, have a program with in today's business? Like, like I mean, that's a complete dream. But so this, we'll just say this is a dream match. Um, I think us and FTR. I think us and God rest his soul, uh, the Briscoes would have been fantastic. Um, so those are, you know, um, I mean, us and the Bucks would have been good. Like, and again, there wasn't a ta- there, there wasn't a team that we couldn't work. We could literally go out there and work anybody, you know. So, but I think that for us, um, I think the match. If, and that's, well, I'll say right now, that's never going to happen. So, uh, but if we were to get back together, uh, us and us and FTR would be, would be magic. Because, I mean, FTR are the measuring stick of, of tag teams. They really are. They are, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about FTR. They are so good. So, yeah. Um, I have one more thing that I, whatever Matt has, I have a list of, uh, wrestlers that I wrote down. Um, just give me your hot take quick, like, um, about these names. The okay. Bloodline. The Bloodline. Absolutely fantastic. MJF. Superb. FTR. Amazing. My all-time favorite, Sting. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Roman Reigns. Um... He is the top, the top su- superstar right now. Last one, Cody Rhodes. He's a visionary. If it wasn't for Cody, there would be no, there would be there would be no competition, and wrestling got a lot better once there was competition. So, Rhodey, uh, Cody is one hundred percent a visionary. Yeah. I, I, that's a good way to end that. I mean, so uh, we've had the pleasure to be speaking with Martin Stone over the last hour. Um, Mr. Stone, in closing, do you have any words for upcoming wrestlers you may face? And where can the people, where can we find you these days? And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to get you on the show. Um, I, I, I am so excited that you made time for us to be here. So, I'm going to give you the floor. It's yours. Say what you say um, and close it up. Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure just to get the opportunity to tell my story um, because it comes with a lot of ups and downs. Um, but just for new wrestlers, um, make sure your basics are as solid as possible. And I mean solid. Be able to go out there and work on the map for 20 to 30 minutes because yeah it's great you know if you can do a triple moonsault or you know if you can do the stuff that vikingo does and you know and do all that amazing you know the spectacular stuff that i can't do that's great but if you've got no substance to your work if you can't make it believable and make it as realistic as possible to the to the point that you know there could be like five 
spikers that happen to come to a wrestling show and if you lose their attention like those are the people you you want to be able to draw in if you can get the casual wrestling fan to believe what you do and suspend their disbelief for the 15 to 20 minutes that you're on that's where you are gonna that's where you are gonna thrive because then all the you know all the amazing stuff you can do on top of that that's just icing on the cake so to any new wrestler please 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 we need to make the business better so just make it as believable as you can and the sky's the limit from there you know so like that's 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 my only take like find a credible school find a school where the trainers have done something you know they, they've actually they've actually walked the walk don't don't just find someone that's like oh this is a wrestling school and you know there's a ring in the corner and there's no structured training or anything like that like don't like don't don't go to those places you know yes training to be a wrestler is expensive but take the time like and and pay the money for someone that is going to genuinely want to help you and make you better um in terms of finding me you can find me on social media on at strong style brit which is my handle on twitter and instagram and to any fan that has ever come along to a show uh paid their hard-earned money to come see me perform i thank you from the bottom of my heart because i couldn't do what i love and what i have done for the last 20 20 years if it wasn't for the fans that have uh, done that so thank you there you have it guy thank you um i'd like to mr stone can you stay tight i'm going to close the show and we'll talk in the, in the lobby in just a second of course thank you guys for showing up thank you matt for being part of the huge pop wrestling podcast thank you mr stone for showing up and um being part of this um broadcast it was awesome thank you guys much love um i'll see you in the lobby thank you so much Extreme Championship